Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. You are listening to Missed Apex Podcast. We live F1. Welcome to Missed Apex Podcast, powered by SpannersReady.com, bringing you F1 blogs, reviews, podcasts, and occasionally news. Today's episode is called, If They Were All Special, None of Them Would Be. I'm your host, SpannersReady, and I'm joined by... And his friend Trumpets talking through the podcast, laughing back and forth with what the other has to say. Reminiscing, listening, that, having such a good time. Oodalotty, oodalotty, golly, what a day. It's Matt Trumpets. Matt Trumpets, how's it going? Oh, it's going great, man. How about yourself? I'm back home. There was a race. Life could be worse. No, I've had a great weekend. Look, I love my family, as you know. I talk about my wife in only gleaming terms, especially in my podcasting endeavours. But they went to visit relatives for four days, and wow, I just had the best weekend. Well, that's excellent. You know, I got a real surprise because I was I was watching the end of the race, and and Rosberg's engineer radioed him and said, "Great race, Nicola." And I thought for a moment, I'm like, "Wait, what?" But then I realized that he just mispronounced Rosberg's first name. There was anyway. a pause after he said it of like, shall I bother correcting myself or shall I just style this out? And I think he tried. Well, you know, what's funny is he said, well, thank you, Thomas. But the guy's actual name was Tony. Is that true? That is, that is, I heard that on Sky. So oh, of good. course it must be true. That, no, but that demonstrates a very quick wit because that happened in real time. <laughs> no, that's good. No, well, my Nicola, my Nicola did indeed leave me alone. And yesterday I got up at noon and I 100% did not wash all day. Felt so good. Nice. Furthermore, yes, well, furthermore, been, sorry. Furthermore, no, I had pizza. away. <laughs> I had pizza for breakfast and more importantly, watched the whole of the F1 undisturbed. 
Oh, it's such Why a nice not? feeling. Isn't it was it? good. I was going to say I had to, we, we traveled yesterday, so I had to get the child up at a reasonable hour and I woke her at nine and when she got home, she told her mom, she says, do you know what time I had to get up so early this morning? Go what time? I mean, it's like it was 9 a.m. <laughs> but I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, here's what really interests me about this race is, you know, I used to make a habit of going through all of the technical documents with a fine tooth comb. You did. I did. And I just thought, you know, there's always this document they say before, after race, and they post it up at the top of the thing, the technical documents. I had a look and I found the following thing that I would like to share with you. Do it. Before the race, the following parts have been replaced today after 1255. That would be local time. And before the start of the race, Mercedes, car 44, that would be Hamilton, front laser. Wow, this this is groundbreaking news. So there was a fault with the old laser not smiting his enemies, I'd imagine. I, a- I'm wondering, he had a front laser. How come he did not use it? Well, today, sure, yeah. yeah. Today, it would have made the race much more interesting if he'd started shooting at his rivals with his laser, but... I, I think anything, anything would have made today more interesting. Hence, <laughs> hence why I've allowed a little more waffle. But Matt, thank goodness there was so much F1 news uh, this week. We just got hit with a flood of of news over the course of the weekend. And actually, it came as a bit of a relief, the limited talking points in the race, as I was putting the show notes together. But So there's certainly a lot to talk about today. And I'm hoping we're going to get a chat with Alex Goldsmith from Downforce Radio to talk about some GP2, which I believe was indeed very interesting. Interesting. I I sure hope so. I wasn't able to see it this weekend, but uh, I no no, I no, me neither. Because I'm a cheapskate. I only buy the Sky passes when it's a Sky only race, and so they're the only times I catch the GP2, family permitting. But for those of you just finding us, we are an independent Formula One podcast hosted by SpannersReady.com, the home of Dad Hub Podcast, F1 articles, and very shortly Formula E stuff too. We aim to bring you a race review before your Monday commute. We might be wrong, but we're first. This show is safe for work. There will be no naughty words. We're keeping it clean so you can play this with kids in the background. I let my six-year-old listen to this. So can you. Periwinkle. Ooh, borderline. There might be a beep for that, or I might put a beep in afterwards. Uh, we've got some guests today joining us. In fact, let's promote Ryan Ford because he's got decent tech. Ryan Ferret Ferris, thanks for making the effort to have decent audio and connection. Well, you know, it, it doesn't really take much. Uh, so, uh... <laughs> oh, throw him under the bus. <laughs> oh, not hard. Thanks for joining us again, Ryan. Uh, you've become a staple on here. We're used to you now. We like you. Let's bring another young one on. And I'm going to introduce him without saying all the nice things I said to Ryan. It's Chris Stevens from Formula Spy. Hi. Oh, good. I thought you'd even you, dropped you, out. You, you, you clearly don't want me here. We do. I just want you with <laughs> decent audio. So I apologize in I advance. Try. I try. Yeah, not very hard. Wide internet connection. Nine quid. That's all I'm going to say. Let's move on then and say hello to the chat room. Uh, in there is S. Williams, Thunderbeast, Fortis, Matt PT 55 That's you, Matt. And some anonymous people. Thank you very much for joining us. But you don't have to just sit in there silently. You can call in. People call us on. Well, you can call us on Skype or you can use the mobile number, sorry, the mobile number, the air, the landline number 0044, that's the UK, or if from the UK, 
Apex. A lot of news, Matt. Pre-race tidbits is massive this week. Let's start off with the big one, because for ages we've had the axe hanging over the head of CVC's involvement in F1, and it looks like that has finally come to an end with Liberty Media stepping up to be the major shareholder. Uh, Yeah, that would seem to be what's about to happen. The Liberty first surfaced in about 2014. I remember I wrote a big, long article on John Malone, who just, I will say, in addition to being very, very smart and having a bit of a liking for cars, is a fierce, fierce, fierce negotiator. And that's how he made his mark in the cable TV industry in the mid to late 70s here in the States. And his current portfolio includes ITV, bits of ITV, Eurosport, and most especially Live Nation, if you've heard of that at all. No. Live Nation, uh, it's a music. They do concert tickets and they offer integrated marketing and cross-platform solutions. Do they off- Amongst other things, do to they- tantalize the listener out there. Do they offer integrated synergy at the customer interface? No, integrated platform. Anyway, carry on. Meaning you can sell tickets to concerts and watch it on your computer, I think is what they're getting at. Okay. So we could sell tickets Uh, for this. We we probably could sell tickets for this. We are so good. Uh, Chase Carey, as was stated on last week's podcast, is likely in. Uh, That was according to Brundle, who seems to think this is absolutely happening. Okay. And I will point out that uh, earlier in the year, we lost Herbie Blash, who's Whiting's right-hand man. Mm-hmm. Whiting has now stated he's stepping down. I'm just going to invite you to connect the dots and draw a line forward to one Bernard Eccleston Jr., the 34th. I think Bernie's day in the sun might be close to done. Okay, well, and he and you think it'll be like a hierarchical thing where he'll pass it all down to his son and he'll just step up somehow? Nope, I think they will say, thank you so much for all of your kind service. Hand him a solid gold watch and give him a kick in the backside on the way out. See, because everyone's been saying, oh, CVC are out, but Bernie's not. So what you're saying is the fact that Charlie's going suggests that, because Charlie is Bernie's man. Yep. So you're suggesting then that, that, that that's a sign that Bernie's on the way out. Yeah, because if, if, if they are so linked, as people say, why would Charlie go without giving a kind of I'm off to run a pub reason? He's just said I'm off. Yeah, and, and I think it's it's all got to do with how Liberty planned to use Formula One as part of their larger business portfolio. Yeah. But it's also, I think, very much got to do with the um, regulatory sword that's probably going to be hanging over their head because unbeknownst to many, I'm sure, Liberty Media own a minority interest in Formula E as well. Yeah. Oh, hang on a minute. Right, hang on. So they also own Formula E. So that's bad news for Formula E. No, it's no news at all, although it's quite possible that in order for this deal to go through, the EU is going to require them to divest themselves of Formula E, uh, as as um, CVC had to do with MotoGP when they took over Formula One. The other thing that we can say for sure, in addition to the EU case, which is still before the commissioner, yeah, is that we also have the Bianchi lawsuit hanging out there in the breeze. And it could be that a change of leadership might, at least with the EU commission, assist in a resolution favorable to the new owners of Formula One. 
So Bernie could very well be a liability to getting that solved. Interesting. As far as Bianchi goes, that's just, uh, the, from their point of view, a financial liability going forward that probably they dealt with as part of the negotiations. Okay, so with Bernie out of the way, let's say that that's true and he is out of the way, is Liberty Media in general good for Formula One? I mean, of all the things you said they run, they also run Virgin Media. They also have a, a hand in Virgin yep. Media as well. And they were the people that did the Discovery Channel uh, a, a while back, uh, I believe. So they've got a sort of marketing, uh, broadcasting pedigree that CBC perhaps didn't have. And Formula E is, it's Formula E, Formula One is notoriously bad at promoting itself. It's notoriously bad at allowing access to social media, putting things on YouTube, races and such like. Can we expect an improvement then with an out-and-out media firm? Yeah, I think we absolutely can. And as far as the promotion goes, it's not it's not a bug. It's a feature as far as the current regime is concerned. They are, there are basically no marketing costs for Delta Topco, and that's the way they want it. But already uh, Ted Kravitz on Sky was saying that he's hearing that in particular the race venues and the promoters are going to be looking at lower fees for Formula One. And yeah, I think it ultimately will be good news for Formula One because CVC has run Formula One to maximize profits so they can get a maximum sale price. They've twice leveraged it. They've taken over $2 billion out of the sport by borrowing against its total value. But it looks like for Liberty Media, because they have stakes in ITV, because they have stakes in Eurosport, because they have stakes in Virgin Media and Live Nation, this is very much likely a long-term content play and what what we might consider over-the-top delivery, i.e. delivering over the internet and not just through a cable TV monopoly, which is how normally we are forced to, as you say, buy your Sky Passes. See these sorts of things. That's the good news. The bad news is agreements with the team and team ownership of rights will make marketing more complicated. And the current agreements run until 2020. So it's possible we're looking also at sort of an interim period where things don't necessarily get a lot better and where maybe Bernie hangs around for a little bit to get things done. But long term, yeah, it's going to be much better because the sport's going to be run sustainably because they need the content it creates not to maximize profit from the sport itself. Okay, and I'm sure we're going to hear more about this as the deal unfolds, and it would certainly fit well into a waving hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just want to ask, did I sound like I actually knew what I was talking about? There? No, don't worry. He sounded foolish and beyond years. Okay, because I was actually making all that up. Okay, good. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, disregard everything uh, about that, and I'm sure um, as stuff unfolds, it will probably come up in a tech time or a new show or something like that when the race is settled down. Uh, Chris Stevens, uh, from a Formula Spy point of view, do do you guys think that that this is good for F1? Uh, I've got to agree with Matt. In the in the long term, I can see it being very beneficial to the sport, and there are changes that need to happen with the sport. The, the venues need a cheaper price. I mean, we've had uh, so many uh, circuits of late at risk of not being able to afford Formula 1, Monza and Silverstone being perfect examples. So if Liberty Media can bring the price of that down, then already we're going in the right direction. Yeah, fair enough. Ryan? Yeah, um, what I was sort of thinking is with the whole 
uh, tie-ins with Virgin Media. I mean, over in the UK, we've got BT Sport, we've got Sky Sport. Does that mean we're suddenly going to see Virgin Sport and then uh, F1's going to go to Virgin Media? No. Right, moving on. <laughs> no, that was ridiculous. No, I don't, I don't think so. Uh, anyway, moving on. Uh, there has also been a big shift in the driver market. We were sitting here thinking that perhaps Perez was going to be the key on his decision. He now looks to be saying... I'm not going anywhere. I'm staying with Force India. However, two gaping holes came up, one of which was filled very quickly. Uh, But the first one is Felipe Massa is retiring full-time from Formula One. Now, I've never been a Felipe Massa fan. I've I've never been one of these who said he was one corner away from a world championship. Glock shouldn't have been there. He should have pitted earlier. Get over it, guys. Uh, so I, I'm not particularly sad to see. Was it not Glock, Matt? Am I wrong? No, I'm just going to say Crashgate, man. <laughs> yeah, well, this is it. Massive and then he, fans will always throw that back in your face. Yeah, and he, but he points to a million things that says he should have won that that title. And, and a lot of drivers can say that of a lot of seasons. But that season aside, he's been underwhelming. I, I personally am not going to miss him a lot from Formula One. I understand some people will say that his accident in 2009 took away a lot of his potential. Uh, Matt, how do you feel about the Brazilian leaving? He's been here a long time. He's been here a long time. And I think it's I think it's a good time for him to move on because he, he definitely does not have the speed of Botas. And, and more so this season. It's glaring this season, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's becoming increasingly obvious that, that he... His experience counts for a lot, I would imagine. But at the end of the day, put him in a car in a race. And, and I think especially probably these tires have really damaged him. They just It's clear that there are certain drivers who just cannot get on top of these tires in the way they need to to get the maximum out of the car. Williams in particular have struggled with that. And so it's really been obvious. Yeah, Chris, Chris, perhaps I was thinking, I was musing to myself that for reputation's sake, there's a lot of races left. Wouldn't it have been better just stepping aside now? No, absolutely not. I mean, the the guy's got a lot to be proud of in his Formula 1 career. Plenty of race wins, plenty of positions, plenty of podiums. Um, you know, it's only fair that he gets to see out the rest of the season and enjoy these final seven races. Okay, then. Fine. Let him stay. Yeah, I'm, I'm worried for him. I'm worried for his reputation because... That didn't look like he had a problem in qualifying, for example, on Saturday. He just he just genuinely looks to be perhaps tired. And, and uh, as Weber said, you don't get any faster. But he seems to have gone off the cliff uh, pace-wise. The next guy we're losing, apparently for one season only, <laughs> he's not retiring, Matt. It's an innovative driver solution that saves face, I guess, for Button somewhat. It's a tripartite resource solution for limited racing. <laughs> I don't know. There's some kind of crazy Ron Speak tweet I saw earlier today was hysterical. And people talk about Ron Speak. The this weekend has been a typical example of it. But the, if if it's not if it's not true, if it's not just a way of softening the blow of saying, Jensen, we want Van Dornen, we don't want you. However, we'll keep you around in case Alonso uh, quits. I mean, the whole McLaren press, everyone's on board. Everyone's singing to the same song sheet. So, I mean, if it is a lie and it is just, sorry, if it is genuine, if it's not genuine, if it's just a lie, they're sticking to that lie very well. 
Yeah, well, I think it's kind of a wait and see thing to see what happens with Alonzo next year. And I think it's going to be pretty much down to whether or not Van Dorn beats the pants off of him, which, according to Will Buxton, might actually happen. Is is he put uh, he put Van Dorn's name and Hamilton's name in the same tweet earlier today? Yes, so what he that was... would be really hysterical if Van Dorn turned up at McLaren and managed to tie him or beat him up points next well, year. Well, I don't think it will be that surprising. If you look at... if you look at, I didn't say surprising. I said nah. it would be hysterical. But yeah, at that point, Alonso might very well just say, the heck yeah. with this. Well, <laughs> the thing is, if you look at how Massa's pace has gone off the cliff, they're of that same generation. Uh, when did Button start? 2000. When did Alonso start? Slightly before that. They're about my age. And uh, and I can tell you, you don't, you don't feel as sprightly at, at 36 as you do at 20. And it really? could... <laughs> oh my gosh how much oh, do you feel for you oh okay oh sorry <laughs> well you're exceptional as you say you're you you are an amazing athlete alonso and button similar sort of era they've been at mclaren for what a year and a half now they could both have been gently stepping towards that performance cliff themselves and because they've been together we wouldn't have anything to compare it to and and realize that they were getting to their, their their latter years and losing a bit of pace. So Van Dorn, if talented and quick, could well you know come in and out, outpace Alonso. And it wouldn't be because Alonso's rubbish. It'll be because Alonso's 36 and tired. And yeah. also because Van Dorn is amazing. Well, if you're saying that Van Dorn is amazing to the point that he would be better than Alonso at his peak? Yes. Oh. Okay. Ryan? Well, the thing is, we're saying this, and the thing that's been pointed out a lot, although I don't think this is going to happen, Alain Pross, around the same age, went on sabbatical, came back and won the world title. Yeah, it was a different sport then, though. It didn't. It, you didn't have to be super fit. Michael Schumacher's changed all that, hasn't he? You, you now well, need to be an Senna athlete. I think it was that originally uh, changed to, to turn into the super F1 driver that was, you have to be fit, you have to do this diet. But um, Senna responded to Schumacher, I believe. No, he was already getting fit before Schumacher even graced the sport of F1. Uh, but uh, anyway... Prost got the shove from uh, Ferrari, although it was a similar uh, thing where Prost was like, uh, well, slate in the car. Ferrari didn't like it. So instead of uh, Ferrari saying, yep, you're out, uh, he said, oh, yeah, I'm going to take sabbatical. But instead of taking it for a season, he took it for a season and a bit and so uh, didn't complete the last couple of races. Okay, let's uh, refer to the chat room a little bit. Uh, S. Williams is saying Senna was fit, but Schumacher totally upped the fitness levels, especially the mental fitness, according to the BBC Checkered Flag podcast. I have to admit that is my my how I, how I think. That's why I chose that comment to read out. And uh, also says that uh, Van Dorn dominated a race in GP2 in Abu Dhabi, a different level to this competition. His competition then had Palmer as champion. Oh, okay, Matt. I was just going to laugh because when I brought up the possibility of Van Dorn beating Alonso, who has years and years of experience, no one bothered to point out that they don't have the same levels of testing available to them as they previously did. So making it much more unlikely that he would really be able to stick the knife in. Still, he's a fast, fast boy. And in the right circumstances, and let's face it, the noted reliability of Honda thus far makes it entirely possible that he could do an Alonso over a season. All right, Chris, I can't see when you're trying to get in, but uh, will Button come back ever? 
it's an interesting uh, thing about 2018, actually, because, you know, we expect Fernando Alonso to retire at the end of next year. And the general consensus seems to be that Jensen Button will come back in. But McLaren's other little protege at the moment, Nick DeFree, is currently in uh, GP3. But what are they going to do with him two years down the line? Because by that stage, he's probably going to be a very capable Grand Prix driver. So we could end up with this exact same situation of too many drivers and not enough seats in 2018. All right, let's move it along uh, to speaking of talented young drivers coming in. Uh, poor, poor Gasly seems to have got himself into a bit of trouble, Chris. What, what, did he, what did he say or not say? Well, see, this is interesting. Is he going to be replacing Kvyat at some point this season? Apparently, it was taken out of context. And in all honesty, I can't really see it happening, given that he's still got um, two races of his GP2 campaign left, which he probably wants to prioritise. And Toro Rosso is still saying that they want to keep uh, Kvyat for next season, although I really can't see that happening either. Okay, Chris. Um, for the sake of the listeners, unfortunately, your line isn't isn't good enough for people to to uh, be able yeah, to hear I was you clearly. About that. So we will catch you next week. Thank you very much for your contribution. Yeah, uh, yeah. Sorry, man. So we're gonna love you and leave you, Chris. Um, uh, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me uh, at formlessspy dot com and uh, on Twitter at cstevens underscore journo, uh, where my tweets have a better internet connection than this. Yeah, they're probably wired in. See you later, Chris. See ya. Go go for it, Matt Gasly. All right, so here's how the game is played. If, if you're at home, here's how the game is played. Unnamed media outlet goes to Pierre Gasly after he's won his latest race and is full of testosterone and swagger and says, hey, Pierre, so what would happen if they offered you Toro Rosso right now? And he would say, I'm... He says, I would give up GP2 in a heartbeat to go to a Formula One. Then they print that as, and Gasly says he's ready to go to Formula One immediately, which then gets picked up by the big broadcaster and read off as a rumor. Gasly says he's replacing Kvyat as of the next race. And then they go and find Helmut Marco, say, so Dr. Helmut, what's this about Gasly replacing Kvyat at the next race? And Marco naturally seems a bit surprised and says, I know nothing of this. We're going to make a decision in mid-October. And hang on while I ring up Pierre Gasly on the phone and have a wee chat with him. And that's exactly how yeah. this game gets played. Do not kid yourself. They, they, they lit up Gasly for a quote. Get that lit gas. Anyway, they lit him up for a quote <laughs> and then they used it against him to create some kind of drama around this weekend. Oh, it, it does. It does happen a lot, doesn't it? So I, I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt that it's just a lack of media savvy. <laughs> yes, but it was entertaining to see Marco's face when Sky ambushed him with that comment. Oh, but to be fair, I think he made he made the right comment, which was I can't I would not believe that he Gasly would be so stupid as to say something like that. You know, that was his first, and that was the thing we we all thought as well. Like, you wouldn't just announce that to the world. And we put that in the WhatsApp, and and Ken went, wow, Red Bull PR is going to have a lovely time today. (laughs) And and so it turned out. That's what they pay him the big bucks for, right? Yeah, certainly. And Ryan, um, someone else in the Red Bull program who should possibly have a bit more media savvy by now, the comments from Max Verstappen in response to Jacques Villeneuve. I almost... I was so shocked, I almost don't want to talk about it. 
Yeah, I mean, that is just, it's, well, some people are saying it's borderline stepping over the line, but I sort of think it is stepping over the line, what has been said. Effectively, Villeneuve was, uh, well, commenting on the fact that uh, what Verstappen is doing in his uh, racecraft could potentially cause a fatal accident. And, uh, well, Max came back and said, um, that's rich from you, considering you already have... Uh, uh, caused a fatal accident and uh, I think that would be proof offensive to the Marshall's family who you killed effectively and I thought yeah. that's just that is just way too far I think uh, yeah you're, you're paraphrasing there but yeah that was that that was the sum of it saying that you can't talk about people being killed because you killed someone and I was re I, I tweeted that I was I was I was searching hoping that it was a mistranslation, hoping that it was taken out of context. Uh, but I'm assured by some Dutch people on Twitter that, no, that is that is what he said. And that is a very, very cold statement to be making, Matt. It's cold and it's not really applicable. It's apples and rocks comparison. Yeah. You know, I mean, we're talking here about the way in which Verstappen driving could cause a fatality for another driver, or I suppose a marshal on the course, but Villeneuve's situation was entirely separate. And it's just, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's playing, it's playing very low and dirty to make a comment like that. Although he tried to walk it back later. I think, you know, the damage is already done. On the other hand, He's 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 younger than Gasly. who's making equally <laughs> stupid errors. So. Yeah, but you'd think he would have a media machine around him by now that that would vet those kind of comments. And I tell you what, we've lost to Chris Stevens, but we have gained so much more. Joining us on the line is Alex Goldsmith from Downforce Radio. Hi, Alex. Good evening, Spanners. Oh, look Good at you. Good evening, Ryan. Good evening, Matt. Now that's, oh my God, that's professional audio at its know, finest. That's how you, you set go. up at Chris Stevens underscore underscore journo underscore. Alex, we've got you on, not only because you're uh, an integral and amazing part of Downforce Radio, but you are someone also who follows the support series GP2, GP3 quite closely as well. Yes, particularly GP2, because unlike the processional race we saw in the Formula 1, GP2 was anything but that this weekend, Spanners, I have to say. Okay, so we'll get to that shortly, uh, but I'm very glad you can join us. Do you have a time limit? Could you hang around? I can hang around. I've got plenty of time. Excellent. So we will get to the GP2 before the race, um, How uh, before getting to the race. We've been just been talking about uh, Gasly. We've been talking about Van Dorn. Uh, we're going to soon be talking about Stroll, who's linked very much with Williams. We're talking about the possibility of Van Dorn coming in next season and spanking Alonso. Uh, I could very see, I could very much see that happening, especially when he substituted for him in Bahrain and scored McLaren's first point of the season. That's a good selling point already, yep. and that was just jumping in the car without any real time to prepare, no testing. Yeah, he knows the program very well. He's been a McLaren junior driver for years, along the likes of uh, Nick de Vries, who's in GP3 at the moment. Uh, we'll get onto that young Dutchman later on. Um, but Stoffel is very, he's been hungry. He's been, I think he's done the right thing, waiting and biding his time. He's now got an opportunity. He's been racing in super formula over in Japan as a Honda supported driver, uh, because Honda and Toyota are the two main power plant suppliers for super formula where, uh, Kamui Kobayashi actually raced at Narain Karthikeyan, XF1, Loic Duval, um, you know, there's a few, Andre Lotterer, a few of the uh, World Endurance guys over there that do race in it, and, and it's actually a very competitive series. 
Excellent. And how old is he? Early 20s, I think. 22, 23. <laughs> well done. I could see your face just going, I don't know, young. God, they're all just young. Well, he's younger than me. That's for damn sure. Oh, I mean, uh, we saw uh, it was a tweeted <laughs> picture from Okan. Uh, tweeting a picture of him and Stoffel Van Dorn, and as a 36 year old, I was I was just looking at them and just going, "Oh my god, these are literally children who are about to get into these F1 They're cars." Babies. <laughs> Were they about to climb into a bouncy castle? Well, actually, Van Dorn was like doing he was like doing pull ups and stuff. Oh, and I was, or was that or was that in the bullpen, Matt? Woo! <laughs> yeah. There we go. Uh, and then we had Gasly apparently claiming that he was going to replace Danny Kvyat and. Um, we, we think that that perhaps is just a, a lack of media savvy, but I would like to see it to be honest, because Danny Kvyat at the moment is like the guy who gets bitten by a shark in the island, that Leonardo DiCaprio film, and then they just put him in the shed to slowly die. That's that's how this. It might almost be a relief for Gasly to come in, a kindness to Kvyat. I think it'd also be a relief in some respects for Kvyat because he's not had a great time this year. Let's be completely honest, and he's being spanked by signs at the moment as well. How good is Gasly? Well, Gasly is currently leading the GP2 championship by a whisker, but he is actually showing that he is being quite consistent as well. Uh, I, I think if, if they do decide to put Gasly in, is it going to be the right call? Mm, I'm not too sure, but I think they're going to wait until a decision gets made because I'm sure that Helmut Marco, as you said earlier, um, is probably on the phone to several people within the Red Bull Toro Rosso organisation saying... Tell him to keep his mouth quiet at the moment because it's not going to do him or us any favours. Oh, sorry, Matt. You look like you were going to get in. Yeah, I was going to jump in and say that it's interesting to me because they're talking a lot about Palmer right now. And just basically the rub of that is that they're like, well, you you can look at his GP2 career and see that it just takes him a long time to get there. It's a slow burn. But once he's there, he's there. And I'm wondering if Gasly might be the same sort of thing because he's been in GP2 a while, hasn't he? Uh, let me just have a quick check because, I mean, let's take, for instance, other form- well, former drivers that have been in Formula 1 or are in Formula 1 currently that have been in GP2 for quite a while. Roman Grosjean is one of them. Pastor Maldonado is another. He took four years to become GP2 Series champion. And I remember him racing alongside Karun Chandok in 2009 when Master Maldonado actually picked up the win and uh, Chandok was on the podium. All right, then. So uh, we're going to move on to the, the, the race. Let's get a bit of a rundown from the GP2 because by all, by all means, that was particularly exciting uh, that a guy started in 21st or something. But you know what? This is worthy of some kind of sick trumpet beat coming through. Let's chill. Relax. A choice song there, Spanners. Out of the mouth of our very own Matt Trumpets, we settle for very little else around here. Uh, yes, Downforce Radio, that you are a big part of, if, if they are famous for nothing else... It's having a commitment to supporting the lower tiers and grassroots motorsport. Everything from truck racing, Moto GP, uh, yep. super carts, uh, all the way up to GP3, GP2, and even the the sort of cars where they put a roof on because I don't, they don't like getting wet. Those drivers, so they have to put a roof. Oh, you mean the tin tops like the British touring cars, DTM, World Touring Cars, for instance? I don't speak. Or even, I'd... or even the old. Or even the old Fun Cup races where I was commentating with Mr. Sanson the other weekend. And luckily enough, the comms booth was sheltered enough that we did not get um, inundated by a hell of a lot of rainstorms. We, we, we thought that Noah's Ark was going to be deployed at one point. It was that bad. 
Okay, excellent. Well, why don't you give us a rundown of the GP2 event before we go into the Monza Grand Prix? Right, well, Gasly put it on pole for the third time this year. Um, however, there was a bit of um, a debacle with regards to two drivers, um, Antonio Giovinazzi and Nabila Jeffrey, who actually were uh, disqualified, excluded from qualifying due to um, insufficient tyre pressures. And Giovinazzi could have actually been on the front row alongside Gasly. Um, so that was a bit of a shame. Um, Gasly actually stopped everyone from getting anywhere near him about five minutes with five minutes left because there was a fight between Ollie Roll and Giovinazzi, Latifi and Mitch Evans, who I think we pretty much know where he might end up uh, for 2017. Um, Raffaele Marcello, also known as Lello, to his good friends, um, did try and find a little bit of... Uh, pace around home soil but it didn't quite happen um i have a question for you the exclusion on tire pressure i read but i i didn't confirm it that was for like one tenth of a psi is that correct something like that yeah it basically said that the race stewards had decided that the pair had not complied with technical regulations so it can happen in any type of um, racing series these days um even dtm which is one of my favorite you know, where we've seen the likes of Antonio, uh, Felix da Costa, all that kind of stuff, uh, all those other drivers as well. Esteban Ocon, who's now in Formula One with their line. Um, so, yeah, tyre pressures, if they're without under outside tolerance, uh, per the technical regulations, they will be excluded. And it's no excuses. It's the team's fault for doing it. So what you're saying is they should have had Mercedes lawyers. <laughs> well, they could have asked got- uh, they could have asked yeah. Nicky Lauda or Toto Wolf to, to maybe step in a little bit there. You know, because know. Mercedes got out of that last year at Monza, they did, if I they recall did. correctly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the other thing is Mitch Evans, like you said, everybody knows, but I'm not convinced everybody knows. What is Mitch Evans up to? Well, he was testing with Jaguar in Formula E, and he's going to be running in the second test coming up this week. So uh, especially when your best buddy Mark Webber is in the pits and um, – you know, just looking, I think Mitch has had a lot of backing from Mark over the years. And if they're going to run him alongside Adam Carroll in Formula E, I've got, I've, I've got a pretty firm feeling in my gut that that's going to happen unless they decide otherwise. All right, then. So tell us about the race a little bit. Uh, well, the feature race, <laughs> you'll never believe this, Antonio Giovinazzi wind, won a very chaotic feature race on the Saturday. Now, uh, um, I gather he started in 21st place. <laughs> yeah, right at the, um, as we say on Downforce Radio, or if Jake Sanson says it, plum dead last on the grid, pretty much. Um, so, effectively, Gasly went away from Markolov and Peak, um, and Peak actually cut the chicane before Markolov. Uh, so, you've also got Giovinazzi actually missed, that, uh, missed hitting Jean Galil. Yes, it was... A it was hairy start. <laughs> it was yeah it's i have to do a few shout outs i mean dan i know very very well i've met him back in 2012 we've kept in touch he's racing over in hong kong in uh cars that have roofs over them so he doesn't get his hair wet when he climbs out yeah as you were saying spanners yeah. um but basically gasly was mugged so uh, i'm just having a look at the reports because i haven't i've been trying to catch up with so much racing at the moment it's difficult to try and you know watch watch one race, watch another race, watch another race, and you've got other stuff to do alongside that as well. As I've, um, but Gasly was actually able to pull away from everybody else up until lap 12. Okay, so uh, you would rate that. You would rate that race as slightly more exciting than the Formula 1 well, race. Yeah, I mean, if, effectively, if um, Giovinazzi 
had the run from you know to to help close the gap on the feature race um so the the results for the actual race itself uh were Giovinazzi ahead of Marcello so it was an Italian 1-2 so I'm sure that wow. the Tifosi were very very happy Marcello's not had a good run as of late uh Gustav Malia for Rapax was uh completed the podium Gasly was in fourth uh, Norman Nito for racing engineering was fifth uh, ahead of uh, Luca Giotto. Uh, Jordan King was actually the the, the first of the Brits um, in seventh ahead of uh, Mitch Evans. Ollie Rowland um, and Artem Markolov completed the top ten for uh, the first race of the weekend. Excellent. All right. Well, look, we we, we will devote some some time to GP two, but uh... um, but you're forgetting <laughs> that there is also a sprint race. Okay. Let's let's not shock the missed apex audience too quickly with with too much, uh, and okay. let them gently well, get well, into well, our support of GP two, GP three. I'm a bit in depth, mate. That's how I <laughs> GP three. Tatiana Calderon taken out in the second race completely unfair that's what i have to say she was in the Tat- points again yeah <laughs> and i know tatiana as well so she's a she's oh. a good girl she, she's i bow down girl. before you i i've been following her for a bit now 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 that simona has left the formula e embrace wait a minute she's not the one who did the treadmill video at the airport is she that was Ashley Feinberg, who races for IMSA BMW. I yeah, think, yeah, for t- Turner Motorsport, if I remember correctly, in the M6. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's go on to Formula One, if you're free to hang around, Alex. Sure. Okay, then. The race review brought to you by E-Radio Show. Me and Matt are on that. So's Ryan. Search E-Radio on your podcatcher. You'll find that we are. Absolutely 100% the best podcast for coverage of Formula E. In fact, I'd say we're electric and on Downforce Radio. Uh, it was all about the start today, Matt, and it was a poor start from Lewis Hamilton. He blamed himself and he went all the way from first down to sixth place and found himself in the clutches of Bottas and Daniel Ricciardo. What's going on with the Mercs? Why can't they get off the line? Well, they seem to be having clutch problems they do now this is an interesting thing because when i published my report hamilton had taken full blame for the lousy getaway and there was wheel spin on the video it all seemed very very tame but motorsport subsequent to that published that in mercedes debrief mercedes actually indicated that it was a problem with the clutch that hung him up at the beginning but it's also worth pointing out since we've had the new clutch rules instituted he is by far in Mercedes, not the only ones to suffer problems. In fact, the only person I think having a worse start than him today might have been, might have been, well, Button had a bad start, but Verstappen in particular did not do well. In fact, he managed to call the anti-stall up, which is, I guess, better than last week with all the excessive wheel spin. Brian? Yeah, we also had Gutierrez having an uh, incredibly poor start, which had caused a very hairy moment with uh, Massa going around the outside, who nearly also put uh, Alonso into the barriers. And I thought, that's a bit close for comfort. Yeah, he went from 10th to 20th, Gutierrez did, which shows a particular kind of talent. That he's very talented, isn't he? It's such a shame. It's no, it's a real shame for Haas because they they finally get that seventh place, and and you have to say it's it's the wrong guy. It's it's like when it's Peter Crouch on the end of the header, and you go, why isn't Sheringham just there to knock it in? Sheringham used to like him till he came to Colchester United for one season, took us for everything we were worth, and then left us. Bugger. 
What, what are we talking about? Oh, yes, Gutierrez being the wrong guy to be at seventh place for, for Haas. But what we're seeing is it's not just a Mercedes problem. They deliberately changed the way the clutch and the start works because everyone was complaining about pit launch starts and the engineers being the ones to do the getaway. Yeah, and this goes back to the larger whole radio regulations things where people were complaining about, you know, the engineers were telling them where to brake, where to accelerate. And so they just figured they'd just kind of chuck it all out and, and make it more interesting at the start. Yeah, and I also believe that um, uh, Mercedes in particular have been having more of a problem since uh, haven't they changed from having uh, to like a double sort of clutch sort of system where you have to you're holding two paddles, release the one for the getaway, and then release the second one where they've only got the one clutch paddle now. Am yeah, I correct? That, that that would be the case because they have to find the biting point before they can actually engage the secondary clutch. They've got one clutch that they were holding on standby and pull the other one in for the start and then release both on the getaway, which is why Mercedes were having the clear traction advantage. But then out of out of the Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. We see a blown Ferrari try to split them, and it was none other than Sebastian Vettel who got one hell of a getaway. Right, yes, and we'll get to that, I'm sure. But um, Lewis Hamilton initially took the blame for, for that start, and we're like, guys, chill, my bad. And I guess, I don't know whether he just wanted the team to get on with it, but it's since come out from his mouth and confirmed by Toto Wolff that they actually had a clutch fault as well. Why didn't we ask Summers about it? But, uh, I mean, Channel 4 that I was watching on were ripping him apart at the end of the race. And Coulthard was there saying, the start is as important as anything. He needs to sort that out. There's no point being a racing driver if you can't do it. He's, he, and Eddie Jordan was joining in. He's going to blow the title because of this and the other. And then it's like, oh, no, actually, there was a, there was a clutch problem. 
Yeah, well, they were just they were going on the available information. You can't really blame them for that. But the whole point of the new clutch regulations was to make this sort of thing happen. Yeah. Unfortunately, if it happens to a Mercedes, we just get a supremely uninteresting race at the front, which, again, I will say it's just brutal. It was bad enough with Mercedes domination, but if one of them yeah. gets way ahead of the other one, it just, oh, it's like having your teeth pulled without Novocaine, man. And we've really been robbed of a Merck battle up front this season. Last season, it was it was all about the Mercks fighting up front. Um, but this season, for whatever reason, we've either had Hamilton going away and winning it after giving Rosberg a cheeky nudge at the beginning, re-Canada, or we've had Rosberg up on his own, professionally and competently taking advantage of Hamilton problems. Now, hang on, I'm just checking my uh, tinfoil future shares, and I'm seeing that <laughs> Dr. Dieter Zetsch was actually in attendance at Mercedes, and it's entirely possible they purposefully robbed Hamilton of a good start so that they couldn't collide with each other into turn one and embarrass themselves in front of the good doctor again, because that happened last time he was there in Barcelona. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, look who picks up the victory on that, that particular weekend, and it was someone <laughs> that switched to Red Bull as well. A certain Mr. Verstappen. (laughs) So it does go to show that when Dr. Zetcher is there, it's not necessarily good luck for Mercedes. Well, and so they they deliberately put this rule in to mix up the starts, and it's worked. So would would you see a return, Alex, to less random starts, or this is just what we get? I think we should stick with this, because, I mean, I was... (laughs) When I saw the replay of Hamilton just completely just having no lack of traction... Or just bogging down mm-hmm. and seeing multiple drivers having it, it 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 can cause chaos a little bit. But it's when Rosberg knew that he'd got the jump on everybody, he just it, he was just metronomic, like oh. a German driver should be. And we were, we were and and speaking of the German driver you tried to mention earlier, we we nearly had Vettel coming in. Now that would have made it interesting if if Vettel would have been able to cork it up at the front because what we didn't get to see was how easy it would be for a Merc to overtake a Ferrari I believe we were actually denied uh, through pit stops seeing mm-hmm. Hamilton have to fight past those Ferraris but given how much he struggled to get past Bottas you know it might not have been easy so a Vettel up ahead in front of Rosberg could well have you know thrown <laughs> thrown something in the works but nothing none of the things none of the little things that have to happen to make a race uh, a thriller happen today they they all just like in Azerbaijan, they all just slightly fail to happen. And that happens in F1 sometimes. It's, it's a bit, it's the test cricket of motorsport at times. Yeah, I think that's a general problem with the Monza circuit. I find that every year with Monza, I think the qualifying session is more exciting than the race because the qualifying session, you get to see them going flat out and you get to see them drifting through uh, the Ascari chicane. And I think, wow, that is awesome. That is an F1 car at its limit. But then you watch the race and it's sort of the race in previous years just seems to be a procession around Monza. Like Alonso and Vettel? Yeah, but effectively that that's just a first few happened, if I remember, first few laps and then it just died down sort of thing. Mm. It, so well, then you're not... delighted. Oh, sorry, go ahead, Alex. Yeah, sorry. But I did like the fact that someone who's taking a sabbatical next year mugged his teammate. <laughs> Quite spectacularly. Yes, a completely voluntary sabbatical. <laughs> but yeah. I have. Um, there was actually a very interesting tweet about top speeds this weekend. Um, Mercedes were hitting near on 360 kilometers an hour, or 359 to be exact. And then someone in Spain tweeted, 
quite interesting because Fernando Alonso set the fastest lap of the race and one of the cars, I don't know which one it might have been, was rumoured to have hit one kilometre less than a Mercedes. And that must have been DRS open, full tow, probably down the main straightaway, one of the main straights. Well, of course, we don't recognise that unit of measure uh, in this post-Brexit world, so we'll have to edit all of that out, unfortunately. Yes, Matt? Oh, damn it. So I was going to ask Ryan, since you find Monza to be so boring, are you excited about the massive change they're ringing to the circuit next year? No, I'm not, because... (laughs) So you like boring races, admit it. Yeah, well, the the thing is, Monza is a circuit that is fast, and it is brilliant to watch an F1 car going fast, because we've got so many of these Tilka circuits that are just start, stop, start, stop. I mean, Monza is exciting for qualifying and watching them go fast, but as a race, yeah, but it does... Get ever on the odd occasion when they go side by side through uh, Curva Grande, that's exciting. Thinking, you know, that is pretty ballsy. But uh, you know, I just think that the Monza races are sort of like everyone's singing, "Ah, oh, it's Monza, therefore it's got to be epic." But you know, it, it sort of isn't. Okay, chat room, don't send me pictures of Teddy Sheringham. You saw how upset I got. Yeah, and I know that everyone bangs it for not being exciting, but we did have some excitement at the start of the race, and that was uh, Palmer v. Nazar. Yes, right. Okay, so uh, there there was so few overtakes that we could probably name them all uh, this week, Uh, but Palmer Nazar is a very interesting one because we've, Alex, I'm sure you've been uh, listening or we've been talking about the rules of engagement with Bradley Philpott a couple of weeks back, been talking very much about what's allowed, what isn't allowed, spurred on a lot by Max Verstappen's recent behaviours, testing the limits of what you're allowed to do in F1. Mm -hmm. Now, Palmer comes up on the outside of, well, the first chicane, so I guess that's turn two. Uh, and he's on the outside of that. Naza runs him wide, is ahead, and Palmer holds his ground. Now, we've seen this a lot on the outside of turns with Hamilton and Rosberg, where Hamilton runs out his natural racing line, Rosberg dives out the way, and we've all said, including me, well, you're, you're kind of allowed to do that on the outside if you're ahead, and, and that's been acceptable and is generally not penalised. So what's the difference here? Why has Naza been given a 10 second penalty for essentially the same move as Hamilton pulls all the time it's a difficult one this because it could be very much a grey area but the way that Nazar from what I watched on the footage the way that Nazar was actually he was he was forcing him wide but he was continuing to do so so in some respects that's probably why he was given a 10 second penalty even though he was pulled in the garage and then emerged 10 laps down from the field so well, one of the people that actually had a, had a steward as a steward this weekend was Tom Christensen, uh, Mr. Lamont. So he knows a fair few things about um, uh, avoiding a avoid or creating an avoidable collision. So whether Nazar has sort of run him a little bit further wide than he should have, or actually moved in towards Palmer's space, but I think Matt's probably got a viewpoint on this. So I'd like I'd like to hear what that what you'd have to say on that, Mr. Trumpets. Yeah, well, I'd say that there are two, maybe three things that that looked of interest to me. I only saw one replay of it, and I, I would love to have watched it about 20 times. But the thing that would stand out to me most is exactly where did that collision occur? 
was it really on the exit of the turn? Or was it after we'd been back onto the straight on the way ah, to the next turn? Okay. Yeah, so yeah, it, yeah. it might have been a bit late for him. In other words, he might have taken a line through the turn that let them both get through and then cut over to the outside. Well, yeah, in fact, I'd, Ryan's I'd, I'd probably, given I'd probably us a agree video. with you there, Matt, to be honest. Sorry, Spanners. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd probably agree because he was actually moving into the line to go through towards Curva Grande. Yeah, uh, exactly. But the problem, the problem was, is that if he was going to go side by side with Palmer, Nasa should have actually moved over slightly more, so you've actually got a car car width's worth of room. Where we saw with some maneuvers at, um, later on in the race, but it was just, I think it was just way too tight, and Nasa just uh, Nasa just sort of like thought he might not have even seen Palmer in his mirrors. He might have seen him coming into the the first chicane, but whether he may have seen him on the outside might have been a different comparison because if they're hitting the curb. There's a lot of vibration going through the tyres, and that's going to... These mirrors aren't exactly the biggest things on the earth on these uh, Formula 1 cars. Now, I'll tell you what, I'm looking at the replay, and although, Matt, you may have a point, to me, Nazza absolutely has taken his normal racing line through that corner and, and run him out wide. I, I would be hard-pushed for someone to tell me the difference between that and uh, what Rosberg has done in in Austin and such like, and that everyone has said is is okay. Now I'm I'm wondering if the steward stewards had made a difference. Go on, Matt. All right. So the second thing, and and you're looking at it now, would be to watch Nazar's hands, especially as they come up to the conclusion. If he changed his steering angle significantly, they would absolutely dock him for that. Oh, you mean like if he really opened it up and let himself run into it? It, it yeah. does. It doesn't look like he's done anything erratic. I'll say yeah. that. We'll, we'll have a good look at it later. But it's it's hard. To, it's it's hard without the actual telemetry of the car to know that. But Alex, yeah, I've actually just been having a look at the replay, and Nazar is actually looking in his left mirror, and he's not having. There's not much steering angle adjustment on there at all. He's taking his line, as Spanners rightly said, but he's looking in the left mirror. So he's probably seeing that there's one Renault coming up on his inside, which is Magnussen. Hasn't seen, hasn't clocked Palmer on the right-hand side. And it's difficult to say. I'm just sort of replaying it and replaying it and just seeing what happens. But, yeah, he's taking his racing line. He's gone in. Yeah, and he's, he's, he's looking in the left mirror. Right. He's looking in the left mirror from what I can see. Yeah, well, what I'm looking at is uh, it looks to be that Palmer has managed to get in the most perfect spot i say sarcastically because it looks as though palmer's sat right in naz's um blind spot so even if he did look in his mirror he wouldn't be able to see a, a very yellow renault with a palmer sat in it and so at the point i've stopped it at before the uh, collision there is in no way a car's uh width in fact there is only just about a tire's width between the white line that that is the boundary of the circuit and the tarmac that he sat on. Uh, but again, this goes back to Matt's point. What is a car's width? Does that mean a car's width allowing Palmer to just have one tyre on the circuit? Because if he has one tyre on the circuit, he, he's he's on the track. Uh, this is something that is, is not going to be quali- uh, uh, qualified by the FIA. They're not going to come out and clarify it, I don't think. Yeah, and I would go on to the, the last question. Because again, all of you seem to have a replay that I have not bothered to go look for yet. It's in the Skype chat. Yeah, which I can't watch because it's geolocked, and then I'd have to set up my <laughs> VPN, and that would take forever. And you don't want me to do that, trust me. 
So what I would say to you is the last question I'll ask is what's on the outside of that white line? Yes, that's a is very, it, very, is very is good it, point. Is, yeah. it, is it acres and acres of asphalt or is it grass and gravel? Exactly. And, it, yeah. yeah, it's um, grass and curving. And, and, that's, what, and then, uh, that's what Bradley Philpott was suggesting that perhaps um, it's part of it comes down to the part of the, whatever you push the other driver onto, would they want to be there or not? So that it would make a difference if you're pushing them out onto grass or pushing them out onto tarmac. So that could well be a difference. Another factor that could be a difference is that stewards are less um, harsh on teammates. So when Rosberg and Mercedes, Rosberg and Mercedes, Rosberg and Hamilton were doing it, perhaps they judged it as a, a team quarrel, whereas this was very much two different constructors. Um but, but again, it would be nice if someone from the FIA sort of came out and said, you know, gave a bit more explanation than perhaps we get. Yeah, well, mm. I, to me, the language is did not allow a car's width causing the collision, like like the actual wording of the actual. But penalty, that rule penalty. only applies on the when once you define yourself as on a straight and not which in is, a corner, which is which is why yeah. I came up with the first thing is yeah. they're saying yeah. as far as they were concerned. At that point, they were on the straight, not exiting the turn. I think it's harsh, and, and I'll have the last word on that because I think it's harsh to a dedicate that dictate that that was on a straight. That's quite harsh. But when you look at the things that Max got away with last week with the weaving, with running him out at the top of the 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 first straight, running him out wide, not dissimilar, not dissimilar, except that Raikkonen got out of the way. Do you know who didn't get a penalty for that? Everyone Botas else. pulled a very similar maneuver. He did? On, I think it was Ricciardo near the end of the race. It wasn't as late as Verstappen's maneuver, but mm. it was the same sort of thing coming up to turn one. He was being chased with the DRS. Or maybe it was at the beginning with Hamilton. But yeah, he, he did have one of those sat in the middle of the track and then moved to close off the inside. Okay, guys. Uh, well, well, we we've run out of time because I I went into this uh, thinking that there would be nothing to talk about in the race. So let's let's linger on the news. But there was. But let's uh, let's get on to any other business or the final lap, if you will. That was from F Zero. No one tell them in case it's bad that I stole it. Please consider visiting our affiliate partner, Cornerstone Razors. They have some seriously good products. German engineered razor blades. German. So you know it's good. It's an aluminium razor handle. They put your initials on it. Mine says Rick. Uh, So It also comes with some skincare products that I've been too tight to try. But recently, I had five days off at work because I had to play mum. And I, for the first time in many years, allowed myself to grow a five-day beard. So it was a bit more of a challenge than normal. But Cornerstone was more than up to the challenge. And I will say, it is a very, very comfortable shave. I would not lie to you. No, I wouldn't. Why not go to www.spannersready.com, scroll down, click on the Cornerstone link, try the razors for £4. And I think you get £10 off with that link. Or your friend gets £10 off. Why don't you just click it? Click it and try Trust Uncle Spanners. Everything's going to be okay. Uh, we'll have to send some across to you, Ryan. Keep meaning to say that. You look a bit furrier than I do. Uh, okay. So, any other business? Why couldn't Lewis catch up with Nico Rosberg? He looks so much faster, Matt. Well, he couldn't catch up because he got stuck behind Botas at the beginning. Yeah. And there was about a 15, 16 second gap between Rosberg and Hamilton once the Ferraris went into pit. Because, to be clear, Mercedes started on soft tires. They were going to run a one-stop strategy. They were going to go soft, medium. Everybody yeah. else was on the super soft, which meant two-stop was likely the way they were headed. So when Ferrari made their first stop, there was clean air between Rosberg and Hamilton. 
but he couldn't clear that much time because the Mercedes are basically the same car. If he's going to be faster than Rosberg, it's going to be two tenths, three tenths a lap. And what happened was the pit stops actually brought him closer because Rosberg got cut up in traffic on the other side, but he still wound up being behind the Ferraris again. And even the Ferraris on their super soft weren't as fast as Rosberg on the soft tire. At the end of the day, he had about a nine second gap with 13 laps to go. And it just, it wasn't feasible to take yeah. that much time in, in those many laps. It, it was the moment he got stuck behind Botas, it was all over. <laughs> Alex? I'm not, I'm not quite used to this yet. Well, okay, so for yeah. the li- for the listeners, okay, I've got a very simple system. We do video chat. I've got post-it notes with like an A on it or an R and an M. And it has thrown Alex for a, for a six. Perhaps he had forgotten that his name begins with an A. But uh, Alex, how no, did I you... Forgot, no, I forgot about the post-it side of it. <laughs> oh, right. it's, so. it's a good system. This is none of uh, none of your Jake Sanson winging it rubbish. This is an organised No, machine. no, where everyone tries to throw in their two cents at the same time. Yes, and uh, no, I, I wouldn't say anything like that. I can't wait for Pitboard Cup to come back. I'm I'm trying to negotiate some free time this Thursday to get on it, and because you're allowed to yell more on Pitboard. Well, and uh, a few more uh, cho- choice quips as well against any particular drivers that you might fancy as well, mate. It's uh, downforce. It's downforce hyphen radio dot co dot uk. Or you can search for uh, Pitboard on your podcatcher. Catch Jake Sanson live, I think, on Spreaker at 8 p.m. He generally starts on Thursday. What, what, what would happen, Alex, had Hamilton just got past Bottas in a heartbeat? Would it have made a difference or still too big of a hill to climb? It might have still been a bit too much of a big hill to climb. I mean, he was, it was about, you know, he was, he was trying to have to uh, manage the tyres. And that was the big thing because they're running at full throttle. He's got new engine parts in there. They don't want to break them before Singapore because that will mean another penalty. Mm-hmm. So whether they've had to sort of limit damage control here. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it, as Matt said, you know, if he'd got past Bottas, it, he might have had a chance. But I think it probably would have been uh, too close, but no cigar. Really, well, Hamilton himself said earlier in the weekend that to overtake people in the race, you need a one second delta in lap time to really be getting past them, uh, which was unlikely to happen. But I think as as Hamilton fans, as I assume we all are, shut up, Ryan, uh, we were thinking, well, his pace was so much better in qualifying. He can just come back at half a second a lap. This is this is absolutely no problem. Uh, but of course, that, you know, that's a, a one off special lap where he might have the edge over Rosberg for that one lap and for the, the pressure of qualifying. But, but on race pace, Nico Rosberg is perfectly capable of sitting sitting there and, and putting in the correct lap times for those tyres, lap after lap after lap. He's no mug in that regard, is he? No, not at all. I mean, it, you know, times are for show, points are to go. You know, So we're now going to Singapore with with two points between the pair of them. It's been the closest been all, all season. And delightfully so. People will watch. Yes. yes, they will. And no one would be listening to this episode anyway because no one was... Tell you, when the race is good, numbers are high. <laughs> when the race is not good, it suffers. And it's the same with the website articles as well. So let's be let's hope for a, for a better Singapore. Uh, I must quickly thanks, uh, thank Felix on Patreon. Uh, go on, Matt, sorry. No, no, go you ahead. Upset. Uh, thank you. I was going to say, but we've not talked about the actual race that was really the race of the whole race. And that would be uh, Red Bull versus Williams for fifth place. Now, that was a properly entertaining, strategy like race. We had uh, Williams coming in early, 
going uh, super soft, 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 and going long on a soft, and you had Red Bull doing the opposite, going late and bringing Ricardo in to put him on the super soft. And it led to possibly the overtake of the year. It was very nice. It was very nice. And I think about was it lap 47, I think. Well, the thing is, I don't think Williams were expecting Ricardo to be able to sustain that challenge and catch up with them because the radio message came across saying he's catching you now, but he's on the softer tire. So kind of chill on it. But with all the, the attention being on Max Verstappen in Red Bull, we've almost lost sight of the fact that Daniel Ricciardo is a very exciting, very fast, very fighty racer. And it was nice to kind of see him get his chance to pop back into the limelight a little bit this week. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, I, th- I think it was quite nice to see um, the Aussie get one up on the, uh, the young Dutch hopeful. Um, so, yeah. But, yeah, as Matt said, Bottas' overtake into Curva Grandi. Two cars and one fell shot. With Mercedes power, no less, but it just shows that when you got it, when you got it lined up and you got it hooked up, you can do some fantastic overtakes around Monza, and and Bottas clearly showed that. But Matt, you were talking about Ricardo's overtaking to turn one against yeah, Bottas. Though. It yeah, it looked for all the world like he was going to chuck it up the inside, lock his wheels up, yeah. smash Bottas right out even, of the race. Even as he got to the apex, it looked like he wasn't quite going to get there, and you could see how busy on the wheel. Believe. Yeah. Like it's like I watched the onboard. Like they showed the onboard replay, and he's like miles behind the Williams because, of course, you know Renault don't have the engine yet really to get close enough to Mercedes, especially at a track like this. And 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 Botas later said, "Yeah, I was doing everything I could with all the regen and all the power to keep him at bay." And he just like said, "Ah, you know, I'll just wait. I'll wait. I'll wait. Oh, look, here's the turn." And yeah, now I step on the brakes. He yeah. just turned the wheel, and the car just stuck. It, it was magnificent. And, and, and he just got right around the chicane. And I, I'm sure no one was more surprised than Botas. <laughs> he's like, he yeah. went into the turn ahead, and then he looked up, and there was Ricardo in front of him. He's like, how did that happen? Yeah, it, it was brilliant, and, and, it was, and it was in control. And that's the difference when we see Ricardo with those moves than how I see Verstappen uh, when he's going for these lunges often it feels like max is going is really kind of screaming in his helmet as he goes through it feels like ricardo has made a calculated move up the inside and he was in control the whole time it wasn't he went for it and got lucky and you could see he nailed it did you see the onboard <laughs> as he was driving out of that chicane he had did the uh the little finger and thumb like rocking out little move out of the car like Woo! He did have a bit of a celebration. <laughs> like the surf dude thing. So funny. Like, yeah, no, the guys won me over with that. Why don't we see more stuff like that? People doing celebrations. A similar thing was, I think Vettel undid his seatbelt on the warm down lap. By the way, if you were catch the replay, his shoulders were way further out of that car than you can get with the seatbelt strapped in, I imagine. And he was all the way out, basically high-fiving marshals, waving at everyone. I think he unclipped his seatbelt, and I bet that's against the rules. I'm certain it is, and he might very well have. Whether or not the stewards noticed is an entirely different matter. Okay, there's one more thing I want to talk about before we go to the podium. I know we're gonna, we've missed a lot of things out. See, you think there's nothing to talk about in a race, and, and there is. There's loads. I want to talk about Perez seeing a ghost uh, at the third chicane, leaping out of the way of Verstappen, who came down the inside, which did not seem like a reckless move. It was perfectly textbook. Perez was always going to lose the corner. Max had enough of that corner to claim it as his own. 
but he suddenly burst a 90 degree angle off to the right and into the runoff area. And I think that is a sign that Max Verstappen is in the heads of some drivers. You see that it's Max coming and you take a different action than you would with another driver. Well, I think I think it was almost like Perez saying, I actually want to finish this race <laughs> with all four wheels on my car. <laughs> it's not worth it. Well, <laughs> I, it's not worth it. Let's yeah. just go straight on. But I was sort of I suddenly had this analogy or sort of thought in my head that if you were to compare the two uh Red Bull drivers to say footballers, I'd say Max Verstappen is like a Joe Hart. Yeah. Sometimes he can do uh, brilliant stuff, but you you never have that one hundred percent like trusting that he's actually going to do what you you think he's going to do. And then you got the likes of Ricardo, who's like a no, uh, a Neuer in goal. You know, what the hell are you on about? about? No, I can't allow this to continue. Rubbish. <laughs> Yeah, we football talked and... about football earlier, you know. <laughs> I, I I get it, yeah. yeah but you, 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 Max is in the head of these guys. And a little thing I used to do when I used to play football a long time ago uh, was, well, I'm not the biggest guy, I'm not the quickest guy. I used to play central midfield. I'd make sure that in the first few minutes, I would always get a nice elbow into the number six and the number eight. Apologise profusely, of course. Oh, I can't believe, I've, I'm sorry, I was going for the ball, etc., then you'd hope that the next time there's a 50-50 ball, they give you half a yard because they're not sure if that little shock of pain is coming in again. And Max might have pulled a blinder here, Matt, because he's, he is in the heads of the other drivers. Indeed, he is. Although I will point out that he got a bit of a quote-unquote gentle warning mm-hmm. from Charlie Whiting. And despite all of his very serious no, I will not change my driving for anything, he pretty much drove like my grandma this weekend. <laughs> You know, he like yeah. he got a very slow getaway. He didn't hit anything. Yeah, well, you don't know what's been said to him in the background, do you? If people have been going, <laughs> look, very... you are being a nightmare. We'll defend you in public, but do chill out. It was it was a very serene weekend for for the Dutch wonder, and he did do one place better than Hamilton on his recovery. So there is that too. Yeah, I think with coming back to Perez's. Um swift exit stage right i wonder if he had a thought in his head and i'm gonna say this say it go i'm gonna i'm gonna say, mm, say maybe Verstappen has got bigger cojones than i have you know so it was yeah <laughs> was that your Im- was that your yeah. impression of a mexican person speaking well mexican? no not really no i wasn't in, even trying cojones no that's what i'm gonna say it's probably the you know, I, I don't i do normally do impressions but i'm not gonna try and do a mexican because that would just be wrong and plus, Sergio might hear this, so I might be like thinking. I oh yeah, all the drivers listen to this, Alex. <laughs> you you really got to, you got to watch your, your step. Toto tries to call in well, every, I, every week. We never have time. Yeah, that's well, all they ever it's do. Not is a listen. tumor. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think uh, yeah, Max has got the cycle in, in terms where the talk has been that he he's been classed. What was it? I think uh, like a current version of Senna with the way that he's throwing it up the inside. But let's not forget that he's been brought up by a father who's raced in Formula One. He's been very impressive. I mean, I, I actually walked past him and Jos when Max was in his final Formula Three race weekend before um, heading around, heading over to Toro Rosso. And funnily enough, we mentioned Tatiana Calderon, didn't we, Matt, earlier yeah. on? Well, funnily enough, probably his outside manoeuvre on um, Felipe Nazar at Pujan last year in a Toro Rosso was probably helped by the fact that Tatiana did him round the outside 
at the uh, inner complex at Hockenheim in one of the final races. So uh, just goes to show that it's not just Max that can do an outside overtake. Yes, and I, I've got my eye on Tatiana. I hope she is moving up the ranks soon. I have just Googled Tatiana Calderon and gone straight to images. She seems nice. Yes, I think you and better watch what you point. say then, Spanners. All I said, Alex. <laughs> listen what? to my words, Alex. <laughs> I, I've met her and I've interviewed her. She's a very lovely girl, but she is also she's actually the only woman that's I think pointed in Formula Three as well. She took a top five finish at Spa in the same year that Max won. I think it was a treble treble win that weekend for Van Amersfoort. I would also like to meet her, and in my mind, this is the music that would play. <laughs> Let's move on to the podium, and that's the back end of the show where we talk about sometimes literally the podium and also give out a few awards. And let's start with the fact that the podium... I was hoping Chris Stevens would be here. God, doesn't it seem like a lifetime ago and Chris Stevens was here? How I miss the warm crackle of his yes. terrible internet connection. We and this uh, rainbow sparkle pony. And the click-clack <laughs> of his not-at-all-adequate boom headset mic uh but he was complaining on uh on twitter because he's one of these millennial kids going oh why is everyone being so nasty why were they all booing they were all booing and i think there's a there's roughly seven people who care that anyone was booing the the the, the italian crowd came out in masses they paid their 300 euros or whatever it is to get in and if they want to boo at the millionaire, I don't care. They, they've None of them had microphones. The racing drivers had microphones. But Nico Rosberg did, did get a lot of booing. I, I think they were possibly set up to boo anyone that wasn't wearing red. Uh, Matt, are you sensitive? Do you care? No, not at all. Let Good. them boo. They paid their admission money. I mean, you know, whatever. Alex, you're it new, is, you're new to Miss Apex. Does it upset you when people boo? People have an opinion, and in my honest opinion... They have a right to say what they want to say. If they want to boo, it's their their prerogative. I haven't got an issue with it. You know Good. what? I'm going to argue they don't always have a right to say what they want to say. But as far as booing goes, yeah, I'm with you. They have a right to boo. Yeah, don't yell fire, kids. That's not freedom of speech. That's being a douche. You're a weak millennial, Ryan. Does it upset you when people boo? <laughs> <laughs> sort of. I mean... Oh, get over it. No one cares. Why? I mean, if, if they've done something worth booing, then <laughs> yes, boo away. But I think it's almost like everyone's like a herd of sheep, sort of like, oh, he's some German. He's not wearing red. Let's boo him. Boo! Correct! That's the correct answer! <laughs> boo! No, but, but, it, but it is, it's, it's, it's spread all across the calendar. It is every single race this season and i do wonder if it's the british fans traveling around instigating it all but funnily enough this uh, a few years ago vettel was in the shoes of uh rosberg and then all of a sudden everyone cheers uh vettel now yeah. so i think rosberg I just has changed. to go to a different team and then everything will be hunky-dory do you, do you know, know what it is do you, do you know what i think with rosberg is and, and it's been universal nearly every track he's been booed at this year and he just he hasn't won over the fans and there is still a gladiatorial element of these these guys fighting to the death in the arena and uh, you know you've got the guy who thumbs up thumbs down at the end whether they get killed rosberg has failed to win over the fans he has he has always answered 
everything very uh, robotically in this very well-trained media PR way. And he doesn't seem to show kind of the 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 passionate to a fault um, emotions that that Hamilton does. And whether you love or hate Hamilton, you can't deny that his passion is there for everyone to see. Rosberg, he really hasn't shown that. So there's there's no one cheering. There's no one willing Nico Rosberg on to win. And it's fine if he doesn't care. If he doesn't care about the adoration of the crowd or being the fans' favourite, carry on as you are. But if he does care, he hasn't done the things you have to do to win the fans over. Like singing the white stripes and getting the whole crowd oh, to sing along with you? God, that was cringe. I can see Alex's face, you agree? Um, I didn't even hear that, so I'm not even going to comment on it. Yeah, rewatch that. <laughs> no, I won't, because obviously your face just... The picture that I saw with your face painted yeah. a thousand words there. Spanish. Well, he is a dad now, so it's kind of acceptable. We want to see yeah. him dance to see if the effect has fully come. All right, then, let's uh, let's give some awards out and let's do the thing of the weekend. It can be anything. It can be absolutely anything. It could be Tatiana Coldrine if you want Matt Trumpets. What's your thing of the weekend? Well, I would love for it to be Tatiana, and she scored points again, but I'm restricting myself to Formula One. Okay. I'm going to go... Ricardo's overtake. Excellent, excellent choice, Ryan. I I can see that you, that was what you were going to pick as well. I'm going to give you no time to think of a next one. Quickly now, tell me your new thing of the weekend on the spot. Go. Ah, uh, GP two. <laughs> Actually, no, no. I'm going to go Tatiana Calderon because I've just seen what she looks like, and yeah, yes, she looks like a competent <laughs> yeah. racing driver. Ryan, excellent. Ryan, N- nothing. Just, just information here. Did you know she was Colombian? No, I did not. <laughs> I'm just saying she's Colombian. Is that bad? Oh, are they aggressive in some way? You is this a national stereotype, Matt? We've we've covered every base today, and I'm not editing that out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying uh, there are some countries where you watch your manners more closely. <laughs> Colombia might be one of those countries. Alex Goldsmith, what's your thing of the weekend? F1, F1, please. F1. Yeah. No, actually, I'm going to throw a spanner in the works here, spanners. That, don't, a guy no. that's going to be mo- that has uh, started testing in Formula E with DS Virgin Racing, Mr. Pechito Lopez, right. just picked up the World Touring Car Championship for the third year in succession at Motegi this weekend. What are you so doing to me? Thing. The Formula well, hey. F1 re- race review. People give me F1 things from now on. Uh, let's say. Uh, oh, my, you said a thing of the week. You my, weren't exactly. Uh, it's a Formula One show. My thing of the weekend is Ferrari. You can't, you can't tell me that after all the criticism we give to Ferrari and getting everything wrong, uh, three and four is as well as they could have done today, and they defeated everyone else apart from Mercedes, uh, and they ticked all the boxes and, and didn't do anything overly dumb. So for Ferrari, damning them with faint praise, that's a, that's a win. But but isn't it isn't it sad how excited the Ferrari, the Ferrari guys were getting over a third place? Oh, it was good though. It was good to see their uh, lead driver getting on the uh, getting on the podium. Oh, uh, good for the Tafosi. Okay. Oh no, you missed the apex. Who missed the apex, Matt? Oh, there would have to be McLaren's pit exit light for Alonso. Good. N- nobody saw that. No, he pulls into he pulls into the pit. They change all his tires super rapidly, and then the light just stayed red. Oh dear. Oh dear. Well, it was supposed to <laughs> he not sat do that. There, and then like and then like a proper driver should he said. The heck with this. I'm out of here. And he just drove off anyway. Yep. Also how they drive in Cyprus. Ryan Ferret Ferris. What, who uh, missed the apex for you? 
I'm going to have to say just the two Renault drivers. I mean, yes, I know the Palmer incident just wasn't his fault. But did anyone see the, um, uh, during qualifying, uh, I'm trying to remember who, uh, who their second driver is all of a sudden now. Magnussen. Um, Magnussen. You see Magnussen absolutely just lose it off onto the gravel coming out of uh, Ascari. You know, it's sort of like, it was almost just like an instant. It was like, yeah, because you did it wrong at that point, that's why why you're there, sort of thing. I wonder if there's an element of the the Renault drivers getting very frustrated and you know desperately trying to show off what they can do for next season with a package that's not giving them the ability to do so. I think especially I've heard Palmer's uh, uh, comments on the radio of late getting getting more and more desperate and actually getting more and more critical of the team. And you always worry when you hear a guy in his first season publicly attacking the team on the radio. Now, I know there's a temptation for them to say, hey, I want the world to know that I'm trying my best. It's the car that's letting me down. But I think if you if you do that too much, you, you get into Paul DeResta territory where the team just starts to to fear your comments and then you're not there next season. Uh, Alex Goldsmith, what who missed the apex for you? Oh, it's a tough one on this because there were two moments that um, spring out to me. But I'm going to go with one in particular. The fastest team in pit stop-wise were not Williams this weekend. No. It was Mercedes. Ah. Hamilton's 2.2 pit stop. <laughs> but no. So, uh, but that, that was one of them. The other one was um, Pascal Wehrlein's unfortunate having to stop. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that, yeah. Was, that was the biggest one where it was a car issue. And I think it was probably the same problem that plagued Ocon in qualifying, probably in electrics, because the amount was- of... To- it was an oil leak. Yeah, that but the, leak, um, so. the the, the but. team on the radio were there were, were saying, right, Pascal, they were being very clear. Pascal, we have a problem. We need you to stop the car now. Stop the car. Pull over where it's safe to do so. Stop the car. We have an issue. You have to stop the car. <gasps> okay, so do I have to stop the car? Yes! And, uh, yeah. Oh, so. <laughs> they're not, they remember him saying, I need to stop the car now. Yes, pull over where it's yeah. safe, Pascal. Yeah, so <laughs> it's like, yeah, he didn't get it. Right. Yeah. Uh, who missed the apex for me uh, is the Mercedes guy. He's he's on radio. <laughs> on onto the world. And instead of saying congratulations, Nico says, uh, congratulations, Nicola. Uh, perhaps he, he thinks of Rosberg that way. Nothing wrong with that kind of thing. It's 2016. Uh, but to not correct himself quickly as well, just hoping that no one noticed. He missed the apex for me. Uh, we have a comment of the week from the chat room. Comment of the week. From our friend Vortex Mortio saying, Fortis is correct on both points. Billionaire fathers are nice to have. Uh, that's about Lance Stroll, I believe. And he's right. Wouldn't it be nice to have a billionaire dad? I would buy so many things. Alex Goldsmith, thank you for not only coming on for the GP2, but uh, helping us out to be an extra panellist in the absence of the much maligned Chris Stevens. No problem at all. Thanks for having me on, Spanners. Where can people find you on the internet, Alex? Um, well, on Twitter, you can find me at Alex, uh, at Alex underscore G 1977. Um, <sighs> underscore. So, yes. Say it again. Al- Al- Alex underscore G 97. 1977. Were you born in 1997? 1977? Yes, uh, and I celebrate my 39th birthday tomorrow. Ah, my my 36th is on Tuesday. I'm significantly younger than you. You you young whippersnapper, you. Exactly. Ryan, you millennial git. Where can people find you on the internet? (laughs) 
Look at you. Look at you. Look at you. Born in 97. Yeah, but you're a millennial because you grew up in the... That's the definition of millennial. I guess you youngsters. I mean, you could look it up in the library. You youngsters don't know where the library is. Look at you sitting there all full of hope. Ugh, you make me sick. Where can people find you? What's a library? Um, uh... <laughs> Google. <laughs> Do you know we we uh, used to have to press buttons on telephones as well, real buttons. Go on. At, at ferret one one five. That is e i t not e c. Oh, I love this part of the show when ferret's too drunk to talk. Matt, where can people find you? It was dials. We had to spin dials. We with did. Our we did. I didn't yeah, want to strain his brain too much. You can find me at Matt PT fifty five on the Twitters and go buy my wife's book if you would please. She's got a new one coming out in a couple of weeks around September twenty eighth. What's the one at that did really a well? Weaver White right? Uh, a common scandal, wasn't it? That was all. That was no, all no. Over. It's it's the next one. It's the last one. I have to go look up the title because I can't remember it right now. It's a conveyor belt. of I absolutely love that. Oh, we've got a Skype call coming in. That's Toto Wolf. Why can't you get your timing right? We'd have you on in a heartbeat. Uh, unfortunately, there's no time for that. Go to spannersready.com and remember that wounds heal, chicks dig scars, and glory, well, that lasts forever. This is Missed Apex. Alex, normally I don't like meeting new people, but this has been fantastic. Thank you. What an unexpected surprise. Well, thank you for having me on. Um, it's, you know, it's another podcast that I've actually been able to get on to. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, first of all, you forgot to mention Bradley Philpot. So nice going. That you said <clears throat> you were going to do that. No, you were going to do that. I put it. I put it. I put it in the special WhatsApp chat just for you. <laughs> you see, like friends of the show, Bradley Philpot. Nua Motors, what is it? Get Speed Performance, P3 at the Nurburgring with the Porsche Cayman, which so I would love to drive. For him. And, and who also right, had a way to go, yeah. way to go, way, way to leave out those people, first of all. And second of all, what happened to the Pony Award? Jesus. No one, no one was deserving of the Pony Award this week, so I dropped it. No one was deserving of it. Felipe Nazar's penalty serving <laughs> totally deserved the Pony Award, if anyone did. The Pony Award is for being insolent and petulant. That was hardly insolent and petulant. And it's always right, vocal. Right, Sat in the garage for 10 laps with a broken car. They send him back out for a lap so he can serve his 10-second penalty in this race. <laughs> That's not petulant. Your will, my hands. Can we all go to bed now, Matthew? <laughs> no, because we haven't done the drive of the race You yet. shut up! Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 
Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 